Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's your host, Joshua Self. This is Self Shoots the Shit, episode seven. And we've had a pretty good week. There's been several things happening in the news, particularly this whole uh, Kavanaugh situation. As some of you may know, uh, he was confirmed as a Supreme Court person. Uh, like just having a title like that with his particular background, especially the way he was acting during the line of questioning seems terrible to me, but he's in there, guys. Uh, that's the world that we live in right now. Um, I think this is why we should vote more. I think it's very, very important that people vote. Uh, we want laws to enforce the things that we believe in. We need these laws to prevent people from slipping through the cracks. And it's important for us to make ourselves heard. Like people say that they care about certain situations and they're not willing to do anything about it. And if you don't want to do something about it, you don't really care about it. And then people say things like, well, there's nothing I can do. But the fact of the matter is that there's always something that you can do about it. And voting is the least of things that you could do to resolve whatever issue you have problems with. So before I talk about some of these issues that are going to be up for voting coming up soon, I want to introduce my co-host, uh, Michael Coran. How's it going, Michael? What's going on, Josh? What's going on, Internet people? Um, to, kind of piggyback, to kind of piggyback on what you said, Josh, um, you know, I, like, we're both black, you know, Internet, if you didn't know this already, me, me and Josh are both black. We, we may not sound it all the time, but, you know, that's a whole other slew of things that we needed to talk about one day on the show. But as black males, you know, black people, as all people of America, you need to exercise your right to vote. You know, personally, I look at it as my ancestors did not have this right at all points and times in America, you know, and I feel like I'm doing them a disservice to the ones that, you know, fought and died for it. You know, there are people who, you know, come to this country with the hope and dream that one day they can have, you know, an, even a, an, an iota of effect on their government. So I think it's of paramount importance that, that we vote. If you're not if you're not registered to vote, you need to go get registered so you can vote. If you are registered, you need to make sure that you're learning all that you can about the candidates so that you can make informed decisions. Because, and I hate this cliche, but it has to be said. A voteless people is a hopeless people. If you do not vote, then you will have no hope of change. Yeah, I think it's interesting that people say things like, I don't like any of the candidates, therefore I'm not going to vote. But what people fail to realize is that there are often other issues that are voted on. So there are bills that are voted on. There are tax hikes that are voted on. Um, certain rezoning that's voted on. And these are things that affect people in your local community. Like a, a 1% tax increase or adding a penny to every dollar for gas 
Um, where are the funds being allocated for construction, improving roads, the zoning for schools, all these kind of things are voted on and they affect our daily lives. A couple of the things that are coming up that people will have the chance to vote on in different counties, there is in Davidson County, which is Nashville for people that don't know, um, a civilian board to oversee police activity is going to be coming up to be voted on. And here in Shelby County, um, it's not about to be voted on yet, but they're bringing up before city council and everything. Do they want TBI, which is Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, basically a smaller FBI, to investigate police shootings that end in fatalities? So this TBI investigation started where a young man was killed, but it was found through the investigation that the police that did this killing had turned their body cams off, which prompted activists to need to respond to this in a way where we need to figure out like what's going on. Like the body cams were given to protect the police and the people that the police encounter on a regular basis. So we know that if the police are in the right, the body cams will show that. But if they're in the wrong, then the body cams will show that as well. But when the body cams are turned off and a person ends up dead, it looks suspicious. So it raises the question, do we want the TBI to investigate every shooting that ends in death? And I'm inclined to say, I do want that. I understand that there will be increased costs, like somebody has to pay for the man hours that will require for TBI to investigate these shootings. But when you have things that are in place to protect both the police and the people that they encounter, and these things are ignored, such as the body cams, such as specific protocol, when you have things like uh, Jason Dyke and his recent conviction, the uh, footage from the dash cam wasn't released immediately. And there was people who knew about this footage and chose to hide it until later on when pressed by organizations outside of that police department Right, hey, we want to see this dash cam video. We want to see what's going on. And it's interesting because you have one of the officers who was in the vehicle with the dash cam. And so you can hear him. He's like, I need to get a taser. But he's requesting a taser to take down this man with this knife. And then you have across the street from him, Mr. Dyke jump out of his vehicle and shoot this guy 16 times, which is clearly excessive. Like 16 times to kill a guy with a knife, and 14 of those shots were after the man was already on the ground. So it's important to me for these investigations to happen because certain rules that are in place are not being followed. But I, I want to get your thoughts on uh, this, Michael. All right, so... 
on the one hand, Josh, I 100% agree with you that there needs to be a committee. There, there needs to be someone uh, like some oversight. And the people like if TBI wants to come in and do investigations for these shootings, I think that's perfect. I mean, because if people aren't making use of a resource like body cams, because they're there for everyone's benefit until, you know, you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. You know, the only reason why you turn off a camera is because you don't want someone to see what you're doing. Like, you know, I worked at a Best Buy. One of the guys who was over, um, he, there was a gentleman who was stealing and he was over, um, don't know the proper term for it. It was a product, um, basically, like basically he was security mm. and, you know, at night he would go in and he would shut off the cameras to steal. So like in this situation, when you have officers turning off their body cams and, you know, footage is being hidden away, like we, come on, that's, that's corruption at its finest. And it's also, it's, problematic for on multiple fronts because now you have officers who are good like who are doing trying to do good work in the community and we've talked about this that when bad officers do things it makes the good officers look bad too because now i don't know if i can trust you if you're a good cop or a bad cop it you know so you've poisoned the people's trust in the officers it costs the city money because when the city has to like find lawyers and, you know, to fight these cases and then it comes out that, oh, no, we actually need we should have been trying to, to, go, to go for a settlement because you were in the wrong. Like it's poor. And then you have all these officers who like, God forbid, all the hours that they've logged in and all the other lives they could have been destroying and the, 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 just the money that they're making from tax payers being on payroll and, you know, screwing people over. So it's frustrating. And I think if we're going to have, you know, an outlet, because it, it's obvious that it, like internal affairs are not finding these situations and not bringing people to justice. So may, maybe it is important that we have a third party system to be like, hey, let's get some oversight over here. Let's look into what, what's going on. Like, you know, like you've got A to C here. Some don't add up. Where's like, what is the connecting point here? Yeah, so another take on having oversight, Davidson County has coming up in its election voting on this civilian board to oversee police. So the question is, like, TBI seems fine, but I don't like the idea of a civilian board overseeing police for a couple reasons. One, not being professionals, like, it's difficult for me as a civilian to understand the stress, the difficulty, the pressures that are on police in their day-to-day duties. Like, I'll never be able to understand that. I've never been a police officer in my life. I don't really know that many personally. I'll never understand what kind of pressure that they're under. Like, the idea of being killed at a traffic stop is absurd to me, but it's happened. The idea of going into a restaurant to eat something and have someone try to rob the place while you're there in uniform, to me, is absurd, but it's happened. 
like the idea of being in an actual shootout, uh, I can't really imagine something like that. Like having to put my life on the line for a complete stranger. You know, that's part of the job that I will never understand. And I don't think we give police enough credit for it. However, I don't think that a civilian board is a good idea. I don't think they'll understand what the police have to go through. And the other thing is, I don't think that a civilian board would be like sufficient representation. When we have a lot of these boards and the people on them tend to be people that are public, tend to be people that are more affluent, that are more recognizable. I feel like a civilian board will not represent the entire community that it's supposed to represent. Um, I think there'll be certain groups of people that will have a much harder time getting onto a board like this. Like, are they really gonna have people from the inner city on this board where police actions tend to be different as opposed to being in the suburbs? I mean, even in my own experience, like Memphis police don't really pull people over for speeding the same way Germantown police do. Germantown is a very affluent suburb of Memphis, if you don't know. So they, Memphis police have a lot more work to do, so they don't care about smaller things. And like how someone will respond to police in the Germantown area versus in Fraser or something is, is different. So what, what do you think about the civilian board? So, like, I, I remember when you first told me this during the pre-show, and I thought to myself, <clears throat> am I qualified, like, I had to think for, my, for myself, am I qualified to judge somebody who has gone through the physical training, the mental training, to be a police officer? No. Do I trust any of my peers? Like, I started thinking about friends of ours. Do I trust them? Slightly more, like we have some friends that are in the military, uh, like Dalius. I would, you know, if he were on a civilian board, he he has a pretty a good idea of what like the kind of stresses that a police officer would face. Mm-hmm. I could trust him, or you know, Patrick, or we, I guess prefer is that Doctor Murphy. Yeah, he's a psycho. He's a psychiatrist. He under like he has done the work to study, and he knows that these are some things that can be faced by a police officer. But the question is, what is this, what do these boards look like? Are these going to be people who are laymen, you know, who are just, you know, regular people? Are these going to be politicians who don't really know? Are these going to be people with backgrounds that, you know, could relate to police officers, like who, you know, been in emergency situations. And if I feel like if you don't have, prior knowledge or training that kind of connects back to this police background, I don't think this is to be a board for you. And that's the problem. I feel like it's just going to be made up of people who, you know, just want to be on the board. You know, it's a nice look if you're trying to be an elected official and you might not have your city's best interest at heart about, you know, overseeing these uh, incidents and you brought up a very good point of representation. What does the representation of this board look like? Is it going to represent what the city will look like or the 
are just how like how things are policed. Like if you're going into an area, if you're bored doesn't look like the city that you're like the, the part of the city that's being policed. Are we going to see fair oversight? Uh, like is the, the person overseeing this going to be fair? Yeah. Like those are, you know, real issues that you have to look at as, as like the main thing to me is just like, is the person on the board, you know, qualified to be looking over a police officer because, you know, for better or for worse, police officers go through a lot. And they have, they are expected to do things that, you know, most people are not, like, wouldn't even dare consider. You know, if you told me, hey, I need you to put this uh, bulletproof vest, it ain't even covering your head. (laughs) So you want me to put this bulletproof vest on and go after the people who are shooting? We'll go towards that. No, thank you. No, thank you. So I feel like if I have no problem with this board, if the people who are making it up are officials who have the necessary tools to themselves, like the necessary life experience where they can, you know, they can be over this, they can govern, you know, like I'd be like a, a past sheriff or, you know, a retired police officer, you know, someone who was in the military police, so, something like that someone who has a background in like, you know, investigations that to me seems like someone qualified. Otherwise I feel like you need to leave this to a third party, like, you know, the Tennessee Bureau of investigations. I would, I would much rather have like, you know, if you were telling me, Oh, Nashville's thinking about doing that, I would say Nashville people get out there and vote for something like that. Otherwise, you know, might not want your neighbor over the oversight. Cause you, you know, you've got one person in your neighborhood who you, they can't even oversee their own lawn, let alone, <laughs> let alone oversee a police force. Yeah, you you brought up a good point that the qualifications of the person, their life experience, would change their ability to um, oversee how police actions are going. Um, it's definitely a good point because, like, someone who's been in the military or um, at some point was in the police or something like that, they would have a better perspective in terms of what the police are facing on a day-to-day basis. So that's a really good point. Like if the board had those type of qualifications where you had to have had some sort of experience in the area, I would probably feel a lot differently about it than if it's just whoever wants to get on here gets on here or whoever they voting kind of thing. But if it was someone where they had to have experience, I would feel a lot differently about it. I mean, and we could be worrying about nothing. Like, it could very well be that, you know, when people are going for these elections to be a part of this board, that, you know, they're going, like, when you're running, where they're running for that position, they're going to, you know, say, well, I have experience doing that. And, but I think one of the, also the biggest problems was even if the person has the necessary experience and qualifications, that doesn't mean they're going to be selected. Like, so if the people in Nashville, I, if this does pass and you do have a board made up of people, I would urge you to make sure the pe- people that you are selecting have the necessary qualifications and, you know, look at their experiences and take that to heart because these will be the people like, you know, if something happens, 
who will determine, you know, if there was foul play. And for the most part, you want to have people who have your, like, have your city and have, like, the people's best interest at heart. You know, I, you, you want bipartisanship, and that's something that's very difficult in this country nowadays. Like, everything has to, you have to choose a side, and I don't think you have to choose a side when it comes to doing the right thing. I think the right thing is a, a lot of times you have a, like people want to make it, you know, Democrat, Republican, independent. So let's just start by trying to figure out what the right thing is and go from there. I think that's something that we need to start getting back to. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. So before I wrap up the show, um, I just want to ask you like, Carter Five, do you like it, not like it, think it was so-so? So, I, I listened to it today on the ride back from Jackson. Um, for the most part, like, album, like, it didn't impress me, impress me. I liked it, but it wasn't like, you know, all, like, you know, I saw people on Facebook hype this thing up, and I feel like that may have also killed some of it for me. But I will say this, I will say this. After listening to a sea of mumble rap for quite some time, it is very nice to hear a lyrical genius like Lil Wayne on the track. And like I feel like that's something that we don't get. Like I feel like that like the Carter Five is a gift to hip hop heads who are sick of the mumbles, who are sick of the singing rappers, who just want to hear a rapper rap. And that that's something, you know, that's that's fine. You know, it didn't have to be for me. I don't have to enjoy it completely. I thought it was good. Didn't think it was great. But I feel like that was, it was truly a gift for those people who were just, because I'm not a lot of you. I was listening to the song, all right, where's it going to be the, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is not something that you shoot to when you listen to his song. These were, let, let, let's be very clear, people out there. If you are out there trying to shoot or do whatever the hell new dance is out there to Lil Wayne's songs, like, good luck. That's not what they're there for. They're there to listen to his lyrics and be amazed at his lyrical genius. I think uh, my favorite, like, two favorite tracks off of there were The Dark Side of the Moon and Let It Fly. Like, I'm not even a big Nicki Minaj fan, and but whenever, like, Whenever those two are on a track together, like they, for some reason, they just have a weird chemistry. And the song just, like, honestly, if you told me that those two were dating or like finally in a relationship, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I feel like musically, they'd make great albums together. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I thought it was pretty solid. It was one of those for as long as we've waited for it. Um, it didn't disappoint. Like it's, it wasn't like the greatest album in the world, but I thought it was solid. Like it delivered what you kind of expected it to. Also, one thing I'd say, that's a motherfucker was long. There were a lot of, tra- like, first of all, Lil Wayne out here loving people because nowadays motherfuckers, will, Kanye West gave motherfuckers eight songs and people ate that shit up. I think it had like 20 songs on the track. Twenty songs. Yeah, a long time though. Like he, he had several it, years to accumulate material. 
okay, you're right. He had several years to accumulate. But you know what? Even still, he could have drip-feeded that. And he could have like, – he, he that very well could have been a Carter 5 and Carter 6. Yeah. And m- people would have been perfectly fine. He could have cut it in half. Boom. There you go. No. He gave you a whole album. An album. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm in the mindset, like, my wife loves Prince. So an album is an album. Yeah. Is an album. So I don't know. That That's my take on it. I, I, you know, when you look at all the merits, the good outweighs the bad. Um, I I enjoyed like I also felt this was a, like the emotion within the, like, the album, like I you know liked the part like you know like the intro was really well done. I love the bits with his mom in there. I thought that that was really well like like well placed. You know, I feel like this was a really good album, and you heard like you could also could hear like what like Wayne talking about like problems that are faced and like that are faced by young black males and black people in, in general, like just dealing with problems. And, you know, some of this, like in some of this shit, you can't smoke, drink or fuck away. Yeah. So all in all, good album. Definitely. But you know what, Josh, you know, what we haven't talked about in a minute. We have not talked magic in quite some time. It is coming. It's coming. So we, we can't talk about pre-release experiences at least while it's still slightly fresh. Yeah, not not on this one. Not on this one. Ah, you killing me, Smalls. <laughs> I, all right, all right. Just do me this one bit of justice. What was your best pre-release pool? Best pre-release pool. I even play pre-release this weekend. What? Trash. Are you really a Magic player? I, apparently not. Ever. Everybody was playing like, oh my god, Josh! How we were supposed—you were supposed to tell me how trash I was for picking Golgari and then opening the pack foil of Assassin's Creed or Assassin's Trophy and getting just the good, the nuts Golgari deck and still finding a way to go two and two. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, uh, I think that about wraps up our show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, tune in next time. <laughs>